Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast. I'm Caleb Simmons. And I'm Joshua Simmons. We are two brothers who love fly fishing, our families, and our men of faith. But like most of you listening, we're still not experts on any of those subjects. So our hope is to speak with as many people that we believe are experts on these subjects and pose the questions that most of us are asking. So thanks for joining us along the journey as we seek to inspire and encourage dads and anglers as we wade through fishing, fatherhood, and faith on the fly. Welcome to episode 120 of the Dad on the Fly podcast. I'm Caleb Simmons with my brother Joshua Simmons as always. Joshua, how's it going, man? Doing great, man. Want to wish everybody a merry, very Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry uh, Christmas, everyone. As this will be our, uh, oh, we got one more after this? Or is uh, this? This is it for the year. This is it for the year. So this is all you got for the year from the Dad's on the Fly. Uh, if you missed an episode, good time over the next two weeks to go back and catch one. But we are taking the Dad's on the Fly Christmas break. And so uh, thank you guys for following along with us like always. Uh, I hope everybody just has a great holiday season. Yeah, man, excited for uh, today's episode. Uh, pumped to bring someone on the show who's been a kind of a partner with the podcast for a long time. Um, uh, so uh, excited for everyone to hear this conversation. But yeah, I want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and uh, excited to be able to spend some time with some family coming up and uh, hopefully going to try to sneak in some time on the water before uh, we get back into the swing of things after the first of the year. As always, but today on the podcast, we have from A Flaco, or as we know it, Anadromous Fly Company, Mr. Herb Theodore. Yeah, man, Herb's a cool dude, and uh, Herb in this episode uh, talks a lot with us about um, starting Anadromous Fly Company, uh, The and if you've been around Dads on Fly for a while, you've heard of Anadromous Fly Company before. Um, they have kind of been our sponsor of fly tying tools for a long time. They've been sponsoring a small segment we do on the show uh, called Adventures Behind the Vice. Uh, usually that requires Joshua talking about his... Adventures. Fly tying debacles, but, yeah. <laughs> but adventures uh, behind the lights. Adventures for sure, and um, it's a lot of fun. And so uh, this is a great conversation with Herb as he tells us a little bit about starting that company. But we also talk a lot about uh, fly fishing in Mix Michigan. Uh, we talk about the Hex Hatch, which is something that is on our bucket list to go check out up there in Michigan, and a lot of other great things just about his journey into fly fishing and uh, fly tying, especially. So excited for everyone. To hear today's episode, Joshua, anything else before we kind of wrap this up? No, man, just hope everybody has a great holiday season, and uh, we hope to uh, reach out to a lot of people this week. Appreciate you guys for uh, listening, uh, trying to respond to some emails, so if you've sent us something, we'll be getting in touch with you over the break, and I hope everybody just has a great time with their family. Yeah, man, enjoy the Christmas season, and uh, we're going to now dive into our conversation with Mr. Herb the- Theodore from an Adjurist Supply Company. We want to give a big thank you to a sponsor of this episode, Turtle Box Audio. Joshua Turtle Box audio speakers, the most rugged, loudest outdoor speaker on the market. We just continue to not be able to say enough great things about these things. Yeah, and if you've heard any of our episodes in the last two months, maybe even longer than that, you know how much we love our Turtle Box audio. Uh, the other day, we were playing pickleball, and Corbin was like, hey, where's the Turtle Box? So it's not just for fishing. It's for anything you do. you got to get a Turtle Box audio for your family adventures anywhere you're going, whether it's out on the water or just on a beach trip or in a mount- any, any kind of trip. You're hanging out outside. Nothing better than having a Turtle Box audio, blasting some tunes, or... Listen to an episode of Dazzle Fly Podcast. So uh, get your Turtle Box Audio today at TurtleBoxAudio.com. Yeah, check them out and uh, get whatever type of custom speaker you want there at Turtle Dazzle Fly is brought to you by Trout Routes. Joshua, I love the Trout Routes app, and it has become an amazing tool that helps us to find more trout to catch whenever we go on any of our adventures together. Just exploring new water is what makes Trout Routes great, and these guys are always making the app better. Something is added every day, a new feature. They've just added the Street View feature, which you've got to check out. Click on the orange dot, hit Street View, you can see what the trout stream looks like there. So I can't tell you enough about how cool Trout Routes is when you're out looking for new water. And that's a game changer for us, Josh. We'll be able to see these locations where you want to try to access these rivers. I mean, it's going to be great. So I'm stoked to continue to use the Trout Routes app. We encourage everybody, go wherever you get your apps, download the Trout Routes app. They will be the best tool to help you find more trout to catch. Hey, Caleb, one thing we've done recently is so much smally fishing. And so much smally fishing means we're on our raft. And when you hook into that big smally, man, you want to get that sucker in a net. And we have chosen, and we are so happy to be, have Dads on the Fly brought to you by K2 
catch cam nets. Yeah, Joshua, catch cam nets are amazing. Uh, the cool thing that I love about catch cam nets is they allow you to design and build your own net. So for whatever type of fishing you're doing, to customize it with certain uh, logos or different, you know, they got rulers on the net handles, all these amazing things that just make your fishing experience better. So we encourage everybody, if you're looking and if you're in the market for a net, check them out at catchcamnets.com. And the best thing about it is if you are a small water fisher, if you're a big water fisher, whatever fish you're catching, chasing, they have a net for you. So please reach out to Bo and Steven over at Catch Cam Nets, and they will build your custom net today. All right, so welcome to the podcast, Mr. Herb Theodore. Caleb, Herb, uh, I don't even remember. Herb, do you remember how we met? You know, I don't. It's been so long. I, I, I'd have to really think about it. It just was yeah. kind of one of those casual things that, that kind of accelerated and it's been pretty good all along yeah i can't remember if it was instagram or maybe you heard an episode of the show and call i don't remember how we got connected but uh herb theodore is the owner operator is that what you say herb ceo cfo all the titles of an adramus fly company yep that is correct yep myself josh and uh ricky evans well, Herb, it's been awesome. But yeah, as you mentioned, we've had a relationship together for a while now. Uh, you have been uh, what we call the the um, the the sponsor, the person behind our wonderful uh, fly tying segments that we do on the show, which is usually uh, us all laughing at Joshua trying to learn how to tie flies. Um, but you've uh, been a big part of that by hooking us up with some amazing fly tying tools. And uh, that's what Adrifus does is uh, they're big into fly tying tools. And you guys are expanding all over the place now. So we definitely want to spend some time talking about that. But Herb, before we dive into all about a Flaco and all the amazing things that you do there. We just want to hear a little bit about your own personal story. So tell us a little bit, what was it like for you? When did you get a fly, uh, fly rod in your hand for the first time? You know, I, I, I look back at that and I, and I think that it was kind of a progression and I remember my first fly rod. I, I couldn't tell you what year it was, but I grew up, I'll give you a little backstory before the fly fishing, because it kind of all rolls together. Um, I grew up in a, in a in a suburb of Grand Rapids, the southwest side of Grand Rapids, on a creek called Buck Creek. And it was a, a modest-sized creek, maybe a little smaller than two-lane road. Um, and it had steelhead and it had salmon. And it growing up the salmon side of the river was kind of ugly it was snagging and you know all the stuff that i look back at now and i'm kind of ashamed that i even did it but we we started that way and then we had the steelhead and we had the lake michigan run brown trout and things like that and my parents you know said listen we don't care because the salmon are going to die you can do whatever you want to do but when it comes to steelhead and browns you have to you have to catch them legally. You can't, you can't snag salmon, you know, and, and, and I understood that, you know, my mom was from Ireland, trout were sacred in Ireland. And, and my grandpa was a big fly fisherman growing up. And I, and I never did fly fish with him. I talked fly fishing with him. So I knew there was a little bit of, you know, you had to, to do as they told you because there was a respect, you know, there was, I respected my grandfather, my, and my parents. And so I did what they said. And, and it was kind of funny. One year we had this huge return of Lake Michigan Browns. And when I was a kid, I mean, there were brown trout in this creek that were three feet long. Wow. And I mean, there were some monsters. I mean, we we were catching, you know, um, she, some of them were 17 to 20 pounds, just these big fat slob Browns, you know, and we couldn't, you know, we couldn't believe it. Well, we were trying to figure out how to catch them because all we knew back then was snagged salmon. So here's this brown trout put in front of us and we're like we learn how to catch these things and one day me and my buddy scott and i've known since third grade we were out there and we're we're throwing spinners and there was a there's a group in michigan called the michigan steelheaders and they do you know they do education and stuff like that well at a fishing show in grand rapids they always sell sold spinners so every spring we would buy their spinners and we were, and I had some of them that I'd save over from steelhead fishing. And I tried them. Well, one day we were fishing for these big browns in a deep hole and I ended up catching a half a dozen coho salmon. And I never snagged another salmon after that day. 
so I stepped up there. And then as things progressed on, I, uh, you know, I just started going, well, you know what? If I catch them on a spinner pretty easy, I want to try this. And I and we started throwing crankbaits at them. We started catching fish on crankbaits. And then we started to um, dabble in a couple of other different kinds of baits and things like that. And then we did, uh, you know, we were catching browns on minnows and things like that. And then one day, my buddy Scott and I, we, we said, hey, we want to try fly fishing. And we decided that, you know what, we're going to try we're going to try fly fishing for these things. And it didn't work real well because we were in a small stream. We didn't have a lot of back cast space and, you know, it just, it just wasn't a, a very conducive area to do that. Well, we were lucky enough that we had two or three lakes within a bike rides distance and the warm water fly fishing game began for us. And we go, I mean, we're going way back into the, uh, probably the, if I was a betting man, I'd probably say 85, 86. So it, it, I don't know the exact date, but I would say the mid eighties, we started doing all this, uh, this, uh, fly fishing stuff. And it just kind of progressed on and on and on. Well, you started with some warm water fish. So you're catching yeah. some, some, maybe some bass panfish to get that tug yep. to, on the fly rod. Like we all love. Yep. yep. And nobody knew how to, 10 and two cast. We always did sidearm fly cast and everybody was doing three and three and nine, you know, <laughs> nine, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Three and nine. We're like, one of these days we'll figure out what they're talking about by overhand casting, but I can't do it. <laughs> you know, yeah. it was, it was so much easier. And, and we did a, you know, we started to develop our own little, little game in the creeks where we had, um, you know, where we were roll casting and our roll cast started to get really good. I mean, I could roll cast, in a small stream farther than some guys could fly cast. So, you know, we kind of developed our own little game in that. And um, we just, you know, we just kind of evolved. I never took any formal classes as far as fly casting or anything like that. I've had some good mentors over the years. Um, I've had some really good friends that, that are, are just excellent fly fishermen. And I kind of watched them and kind of grew with them and, and just, kind of kept stepping up and up and up, you know, and we went into uh, the early nineties, my buddy Scott and myself were the uh, probably one of the first handful of guys that were throwing spay rods for steelhead. And people used to tease us, Oh, look at him walking around with that big stick like that, you know, <laughs> it, it was, it, you know, and I won't get into what else they would say about that, but um, <laughs> sure. you, know, you know where I'm going, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, but we had fun and I mean, it wasn't a numbers game and I thought, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to like this cause I love catching steelhead. I love catching salmon. I, I, I want to punch my ticket. And then all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? I like this challenge more. I don't, I don't need to catch 10 steelhead every time I go out or five steelhead every time I go out. If I get one in a week and it took me a, a long time to figure it out and I worked on it and I, and I grew my skill set, that was more fun. So there were many days where I can remember going out and I just wanted to bang my head against the wall because, you know, it was, uh, um, you know, it just, it was a frustrating thing. You'd get a fish on and you'd fight him for two seconds and he'd get off. And that was the only fish you had the whole day. And everybody around you is just, Oh, I got another one. Oh, I got another one. And you're out there grinding away, trying to, trying to, uh, trying to get one the hard way. Yeah, there's something very, uh, very unique about us fly fishermen. We we take something as simple as catching a fish and try to make it a lot harder than it has to be sometimes. But uh, it's, yeah, it's worth it. I'm with you. I mean, it's the challenge. It's fun. Uh, it's way more exciting that way to catch them on the fly. Um, yeah, I mean, at least I think, in our opinion. I think our buddy Mr. Rosenbauer said it may not be the hardest way, but it's definitely the most you know, kind of intricate. I think mm-hmm. like it's, it's just a different way. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, it's Absolutely. just so much more involved in it and. And in that involvement, Herb, you know, if you're going to be throwing a spay rod or fly fishing, you're, you're going to be tossing flies or you're going to be casting flies. And somewhere along this journey of yours, I assume you started tying flies or somebody, yep. and, and that's what kind of led to what is now a Flyco um, or a Nazareth Fly Company. So kind of give us the version of, you know, kind of how we met, which is from your company, mm-hmm. when all that started. 
So that company started, it was kind of funny. There was, there was uh, three of us sitting around a, uh, uh, a kitchen table at our cabin. And it was, it was, a, it was, a, I remember it was a really cold end of September day. We were upstream or fishing. And there was three. Keep three everybody, remind everybody, you live in Michigan, so a cold September yeah. day for you is going to be a little colder than a North Carolina September. Yeah. Day. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like a like a probably a, a low forties and light rain kind of day. So, um, you know, we were all sitting around. We were tying flies, and I and I had I just brought out a brand new pair of scissors from a, from a major company, and I and I went to tie a fly and. It, and the tip broke off the scissors. They're brand new. My gosh, what's wrong with it? Why'd that happen? You know? And, um, I, I thought, okay, well, I got another pair. I bought two pairs. And then for some reason I, you know, I've always bought more than I actually ever needed. I do that with everything fly fishing and fishing related. You can ask, ask my other half. She, uh, she would agree. So, <laughs> you know, there, there's no bounds, you know, you can't ever have one of everything. So, I ended up with pulling out the second pair and I tried to cut with them and the tips didn't quite match. And I ended up having to take a, a, a file and file it down a little bit to get them to match. So the, the other guys that were fishing with us up there, their three brothers, they own a surgical supply company in the, in the great lakes region. And they said, you know, we just retooled this factory that we work with and we want to do, you know, we, we, uh, we got extra time and we want to try something different. Let's try fly tying scissors. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. Why not? You know? So, and he said, what do you think about getting into business? And I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do that. I said, I don't have time. I said, I like to fish too much. I don't want to get into this. You know, I'm not doing it. Well, another couple buddies of mine were like, we'll run with it. Well, let's see what we can do. So, I got a box of a hundred scissors. I took the first pair out. I tried them. And I'm like, wow, these are pretty good. So I gave them to uh, one of the other guys. And I said, uh, here you go. Here's a box of 99 scissors. They don't cost us anything. Let's put them up for sale for like 15 bucks and let's see what happens. Well, they sold them all within like a couple of hours. Oh, wow. And we were shocked. And it's just like, holy cow, this is, this is, you know, one of those things you're like, we're staring at a cash cow, you know? So they, I said, I'll just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have anything to do with this. I just don't, I don't have the time at the time I was working 10, 12, 14, 16 hour days on the railroad and I like to fish and I didn't want to, you know, leave the railroad to come home and do another job. I wanted to come home and be able to tie a few flies, sit around, watch a hockey game, you know, do whatever. And so I kind of watched from a distance. Well, they did a couple of trade shows and their first couple of trade shows, they, they just hammered it out of the park. And, um, so I, you know, I was like, you guys, this is great. Good to see, you know? So they've got a, they've got a factory in Pakistan that they work with a guy that, uh, is, is kind of the front man for the company. And they, uh, they brought out a bunch of stuff that they wanted to do on their own. And, and I kind of watched it from afar. Well, as you know, any company, you're not going to make money in your first year or two. So my, the one, one buddy of mine, he, uh, his wife was like, listen, I'm not going to have you at home working on this thing and not make any money at it. It's just not going to happen, you know? And, um, so, you know, he's like, oh, okay, whatever. So my other buddy says, well, you know, if he's going to go away, if you don't want to take it, I'm not running it by myself. I'm just not going to do it. And I thought, you know what? I don't want to disappoint my buddies. I'll, I'll take over it. So last March I took over and I took over with the older gentleman who was retired. And, uh, <coughs> we, excuse me, we decided to, uh, you know, uh, <coughs> excuse me. And we decided to, uh, up it a little bit add a few products and things like that. And I took it over in March of uh, 2022 and we did a couple of trade shows and tra we just, we hit it out of the park again. we said, well, geez, we got to start making a few different um, colors and a different couple different tools and things like that. And then uh, the older gentleman friend of mine come to me and, and 
July of that year and said, hey, I'm 77 years old. This is starting to become a full-time job. I, I, I retired from a full-time job. I don't want another one. And he says, I'm going to give you a couple months and I need you to find a couple people to take my place so you can continue to do this because he says, I believe in this and I think you're, you're well on your way to becoming a pretty, uh, a pretty important uh, company in the fly tying community. <coughs> so we uh, did some soul searching and some thinking and, um, I brought my buddy Scott on as, as kind of like my right-hand man out on the, the, uh, the trade show tours. And he's, he's done a handful of those with me. And then there's a, a Josh Sipes, who this friend of mine, the older gentleman knew. And he said, this guy's just phenomenal. He's got a good business mind. You need to talk to him. So I, I got in hold of Josh and he was more than happy to, uh, to join the company. And so he joined the company probably July of last year, and uh, that was great. We, we were looking for a couple other people just to, to kind of round it off so we could have all the, the, the hours of the day covered. And um, then Ricky Evans popped up on my, on my, uh, his, on my um, Instagram feed one day, and I looked at this deer hair Zara spook type. I don't know if you're familiar with the Zara Spook or not, but it's one of these. This is all deer hair. Oh wow, it's incredible. This this guy has got skills about, upon skills, and I mean it's just a single hook that is in a, on a on a shank that you know. I mean it's 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 pretty cool. So I saw that and I was really impressed and I, and I reached out to him and I'm like, I, you know, like, like, Hey man, I want to, I want to talk to you about this stuff and I want to get a couple. And we got to talking and we kind of got to be buddies with each other. And I said, Hey, I need a product design guy who's got somebody. Cause I would listen to what he would say in our conversations. And I'm like, I need a product design guy. You want to come on as that? He's like, sure. So he's a, uh, He's been very instrumental in some of the new projects that we've done here in the last six months. Uh, he did a, um, this little fancy little piece of, um, I don't know if I can get it to come yeah, in. We but got it. It, yeah, it's a, it's, it's basically like a, a leg threader. Um, it's, it's basically like a heavy duty leather needle that you can use for legs, kind of like the leg puller that's already out on the market. But the difference with ours is if you look at the back end, there's a tapered, this, this is tapered in and it's hollow. So you can use it as a half hitch with the taper and yep. you can also take it and use the hollow end to pack deer hair. So you can take this, pack your deer hair really nice and tight. So that was one of his inventions, and that's that's done really well. I think we've had that out for oh, probably the last uh, probably two months. And then he said, "Listen, there's nothing on the market that's a really big hair stacker." Mm-hmm. And when I mean really big hair stacker, it's 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 big. I mean it's. I think he I, I and I'm and I'm shooting from the hip on the numbers here, but I think it's three and nine sixteenths inches tall with a opening of uh, 27 millimeters, which is like 1.6 inches. Yeah. That's pretty huge so, for a hair stacker. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's big. And what we're calling it is the hair blender. And what it is, is these guys <laughs> with these deer hair. Yeah. And it, what it is, is these guys with these deer hair bugs, they, they put in different stacks and different colors. And some guys like to blend colors together. Well, this allows you to do that on a bigger scale. So when you're doing bass bugs, you don't have to, a lot of the guys blend it right in their hands. Well, now you don't have to do that. Now you, there's a tool to do it. And um, I'll let a little cat out of the bag. We're going to be, we're looking at different options for a bucktail um, blender. Okay. Yeah. And we, we don't know what we're going to do with it yet because we're not sure if it's going to be taller or more narrow 
but it's going to be somewhere in that, you know, 1.6 inch, 27 millimeter, probably down to maybe an inch wide. Um, I'm not a big deer hair guy, so I'm the wrong person to ask that question. Um, I've had a lot of very good conversations with different uh, bug tires, Ryan McFall, um, Derek Darst, uh, August West, um, just had some really good conversations with these guys. And, and it, and it made me even more nervous of how to go is everybody split it right down the middle. Well, I like this and I like, <laughs> yeah. that. I'm like, Oh gosh, guys, come on. Can't We're quickly happy. <laughs> Tell me one way or the other. Let's not, let's not, yeah. let's not, uh, let's not, you know, let's not split this right down the middle. I mean, it couldn't have been any more down the middle than what it was. That's funny. So let's talk a minute about about your scissors, man. I think that's the first thing that kind of got that we had an experience with. Um, I think you you got us some scissors in our hands, and me being a brand new fly tire when that started, I didn't really have much to compare to. But uh, mm-hmm. I can say in the time I've had them, I'd like Caleb to maybe speak a little bit more to how impressed you were with the scissors, and then then it kind of went from there with us with some of the other tools. But Caleb, you want to talk about and then maybe what sets those scissors apart? Oh yeah, man. I mean, <clears throat> we've been using these scissors for a while now, Herb, and uh, they're they're staying sharp. They're sharp. They stay sharp. That's the most important thing I think about them. You know, I've had several pairs of scissors from a lot of big name brands, and they um you know they dull out pretty quick, especially after you know lots of usage. And then uh you know these scissors I've had for a couple of years now, and um they're still rolling strong. And I love all the uh <clears throat> I love the small spring loaded scissors. Uh, those are great for tying small bugs. Um those are those come in super handy when we're tying like small uh, especially small dry flies. Um, sure, those are, sure. those are, I mean, I use this full lot of those whenever I'm tying small bugs like that. They're just super helpful. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, I, I can't say enough about the the products that, that we've been able to use um, from bobbins to scissors to all the things. I mean, they're, they're made well. And um, that's, that's the thing that I love about them the most is uh, they are. Cause the last thing you want when you're in the midst of tying bugs is for your tools to malfunction. Um, cause that just, right. I'm already yeah. having a lot of frustration time flies. I don't need added frustration from like, yep. it up. and so, yeah. uh, that's been, that's been the big thing for me. It's just, uh, it's been, you know, trusted tools. Then they're, uh, they're the mm-hmm. sharpest in the business. So yeah, it's your sharpest decision in fly tying tools. That's right. So, that's so right. what's, that, what's this from apart her? Like, why are they so, you know, if I, if I knew what, what made ours last so, so well, I definitely would let you know, but I honestly couldn't tell you. The only thing I can think of is because of the surgical background. I was wondering about that. Yeah. Yeah. This company has, and this factory has, um, yeah, you want your surgical tools to be pretty, uh, specific. So, I mean, like, you know, the fact they're making flat side tools now, this is a big plus, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, um, and I hear this every so often that, you know, ours are too sharp or they're too good because, you know, you're never going to get repeat sales out of, out of fly tires. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, and I'm like, well, I, I guess I look at maybe be being a little bit older that I look at things that, you know, they last, I'm going to, I'm going to buy them. Yeah. You know, and that's, I'm going to buy every version of it that I can get my hands on. I mean, that's yeah, what I love about yeah. it too. You know, I've got the, I've got the four inch razor scissors. I've got the small the little spring loaded scissors. I've got the curved edge scissors. I've got all the different types. Cause it's like you said, you know, you get one and you're like, man, I want, now I want this in this different design. And, and we will style. say just uh Caleb can throw this out there huh. at his house. They're not just used for time flies. Okay. <laughs> Caleb's <laughs> wife is a, uh, is a, florist yes i was a florist and so uh she told me to tell you herb that your scissors are her favorite for uh ribbon cutting for um all kinds of cutting that she has to do so um she's she's very appreciative of you you are she might listen to this episode actually because i'll tell her (laughs) she might finally listen to an episode you're her favorite person we've met through through the through the podcast right right and and it's 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 funny because i you know you you say that that because my other half has a pair in the kitchen she has yeah. a pair on her on her on her little stand next to the to the lazy boy. Um, she's got one in her office. I mean, yeah. it, it's it's something that's become very utilitarian around here. That yeah, um, yeah. I was kind of hoping know. that wouldn't be the case. I, I never thought I'd get in a, a tiff with my wife over <laughs> a pair of scissors. But uh, we, we where are my fly tie yeah, scissors? I mean, that's totally happened several times. 
I you know I know where to find mine. I yeah. know you know I know what drawers to look for if yeah. I need something. But yeah. you know, there's an endless supply around here. We always say that there's you know anywhere you look, there's a pair of scissors, <laughs> and we do it on purpose because we want to really use them. Yeah, and you know, and I I go back to what I said earlier. We got that first box of 100, and I took the first one out. That was in 2020, in July of 2020, and I just was using them a few minutes ago. Yeah. And there's still, they still don't give me any complaints. Now I'm not going to say every pair is like that, but you know, I mean, and I tie a lot of flies. I mean, I, you know, I, I really do. I, I, I come home and, and I have an idea and I run downstairs real quick and I tie something real quick just to see what I got. So, yeah. you know, every day I tie flies, but, um, and we're tr- always trying to take it to the next level too, as far as durability goes, um, whether it's with the coatings, like we're doing a tungsten carbide ceramic coated now. And that scissor will cut 65 pound power pro with no tension. It's crazy. So basically you could sit there and, and just lop, 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 lop. And we were doing that. We t- I bought, I bought three, 300 yard spools of 65 pound power pro for, for trailers, for my steelhead flies. And we used one pair of scissors to cut, cut them into, uh, into eight inch sections for, for trailers. That's crazy. Yeah. And just, just, uh, one other thing that I think, you know, is I kind of found it kind of cool about the scissors is, and you, you mentioned this earlier, like, you know, I think me and you had talked before you kind of live up there in Michigan. You got some, uh, different sort of college sport teams that are kind of a big deal. And uh, yeah. you, you've got, you've got some different colors that you put out, man. And, you know, I've got a kind of a bright orange pair and there's like that yellow. I mean, it's kind of cool that your scissors have a little, I, I kind of like that, you know, it's got a little flair to it. A little, oh, yeah, little pops sure. when it's on your fly tying uh, desk for sure. sure. People Definitely walk in and see it. Yeah. It makes them easier to find. And it just kind of pops. That, and that was the idea originally with it. We've since dropped yellow and we've dropped red. We've dropped, purple and we dropped pink we really wanted to go purple and pink just to see if we could um bring some more people into the into the uh maybe i should get a pair of those for my wife for christmas yeah you get a pink pair for her her for her (laughs) yeah there you go yeah so we we tried to do that we tried to you know and it did it didn't pink and purple didn't really take off too well i think uh i think it's all in the shade of the color but um you know we learned and then we went into this thing where um we said we're going to do a solid uh, titanium coated tungsten carbide scissor. And then at that time we said, okay, nothing is going to be stainless steel anymore. Every scissor we do now is going to be uh, tungsten carbide. So then we brought it up to the next level. We did the blue titanium, the, the solid coated titanium, like the rainbow color, if you will. And then we did a black ceramic coated tungsten carbide. And that's the one that is just absolutely razor sharp. The 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 first time I've ever done this, and this will be the last time I ever done it, I dropped that pair of scissors on my foot. Oh and it stuck straight in. Oh straight up. Yikes. And I I really I remember looking down at it with this look of horror. And pulling it out and going, oh man, that was deep. (laughs) Oh, oh, yikes. You know, my other half's on the other side of the room going, why do you look so pale? I said, I just got myself in the foot with my scissors. Sheesh. (laughs) Yeah. So um, that was kind of one of those, oh boy, you know, I got to be careful with this stuff. So (laughs) For sure. sure. For sure. Fly flies safely, folks. Yeah, Um, exactly. Fly flies safely. Hey, so Herb, you mentioned you you tie a bunch of flies, man. And, uh, you know, I think you reside right there in Cal. Is it Kalamazoo, Michigan? Is that? Yes. Hometown up there? Never been to. South, well, south, south, southern, more southern Michigan now. I I grew up in Grand Rapids, which was southwest um, outside of Grand Rapids. You do some steelhead, you do some uh, different kind of fishing, Mm -hmm. but, uh, one thing, you know, you've talked to me about a couple times, and I want you to speak to it. It may be some of the flies you're tying, but also this this thing that happens in Michigan in June you were telling me about, and we wanted to get you to speak about it. Um, it's this hex hatch, correct, that, that happens up there yes. that, that you just go crazy yeah. about. So 
So tell the folks a little bit about the the Michigan hex hatch and, and what it's like fishing that thing. Yep, and and th- this is the craziest thing you will ever see. It's uh, it, it happens in June. I won't name the name of the rivers. I'm not a spot dropper, so um, it's 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 a Michigan thing. It progresses up. Um, you can see it coming. It starts along the Lake Erie shore around uh, the Toledo area. Those areas, Cleveland, Toledo, um, all along there, they get hex hatches that are so thick. They show up on radar. Wow. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and, and it, it literally, they coat the roads. They literally have to go out with street sweepers. And I mean, I've heard of people getting in accidents from sliding on hex That's slide bodies. Yeah. And, and, and it's not quite that strong in Northern Michigan or in, even in Western Michigan because the, um, the rivers aren't as big and, and, and Lake Erie supports a pretty good hatch of them. So the bodies of water aren't, aren't nearly as big, but uh, it's just, it's an interesting thing. I always tell people, they always ask, well, what's it like to fish after dark? I said, well, I'll go out fish during the day with a blindfold on. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you just, you, you, it's all sound. And, and two years ago, we brought a buddy of mine in from Calgary, Alberta, who's a, who's a good fly fisherman and said, Hey, you know, you're going to come fish with us. I paid for his airfare to come over. And I said, listen, I want you to experience this being from Canada and see what you think. And, um, he just, he was beside himself. I mean, there were so, it was a weird year. Everything hatched all within a couple of days and we hit it one day. It was so bad. My, my poor dash hound loves being out on the water. And I have a, I have an adipose skiff drift boat and it's got side on one side. It's got like a side pocket. He actually crawled up in the side pocket to get away from them because they were about an inch deep on the, on the bottom of the boat. Wow. And it was, it was so many bugs that you, you actually shined your light on the, on the water that, um, it, it was a carpet of bugs and, and it doesn't start till dark. So, you know, here, here we go. You know, we're, we're in, you know, middle Western Michigan in the dark and we're, you know, um, we're waiting on this thing. And all of a sudden we saw one or two and we're like, all right, it's going to happen. You know, we're going to see some bugs. And all of a sudden you hear the sound. It sounds like power lines above your head where you didn't hear that before. And it's, it's like, what's that noise? And then, you know, sheer curiosity wins over and you know, you shouldn't do it, but you take your flashlight and you put it up over your head and you turn it on. And it's like a moth to a flame times a hundred thousand. And they just swarm you. And on our TikTok, there's a video of that and we're laughing. And there's a few choice four letter words in there too, because, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's mayhem. And you can see my poor buddy in the back from Canada turning his back because he doesn't know now what he's into. He's like, Oh no, you know, this is a little more than I bargained for. And, um, I ended up catching my biggest fish on a dry fly that night. I got a 25 and a half inch or 25 and a half inch Brown. Wow. That was just absolutely mammoth. So how uh, do you do that? in the? you got to tell us like, how do you do that in the dark? So it's all sound. It's all sound. So, so you're just so casting what you, yeah, anywhere. So what are you listening for? It, it's, it's basically like listening for somebody throwing rocks in the water. Huh? Yeah. And, and it's all, it's all, you have to be good at, casting you have to know what your cast is doing and you have to know like i always i always tell my buddies that i've got a mental picture of all the spots i fish during the day i've got mental pictures of the uh what the river looks like during the day so if i cast you know 20 feet i know what water i'm covering at 20 feet or, or 25 feet or whatever but like my other half, she's caught 20 inch Browns three feet from the boat, you know, and, but they're there. They don't know you're there. They're not worried about it because they're feeding with reckless abandon. Oh yeah. They're and bugs, yeah. Yeah. They're just, they're just bulking up. And I've caught them like that too, where you actually feel them before you hear them. Huh. 
you know, I know we've had spots where we've sat in spots and it doesn't happen very often, but we've sat in one spot one night from one in the morning till the sun was coming up and it was one fish after another, after another, after another. Wow. And I don't, and I'm not saying we caught 50 fish, but we caught maybe 10 that were, that were quality. Now, so you're, uh, you're floating a river. I'm guessing just got to put this in the mountain boy perspective here. Mm-hmm. It's a slightly different river than what we'd be floating. Like kind of a, is it a pretty easy float? I mean, in yeah. the dark, you're not looking at like, I'm just thinking like rocks and everything. No, it's like you're oh, no. running no. into in the middle of the dark, like what we have around here. You, know? you always hear those guys that don't know where they're at and you don't want to turn your light on out there. Um, the guides, you know, and myself too, I'm not a guide, but, um, a lot of the regulars and the guides will absolutely curse your name. If you, you know, that's for sure. Turn your lights on because you kill people's, you'll put fish down for one, for two, you'll, you'll kill people's night vision. And you know, it's just not, it's not, it's not a respectful thing to do. So every night, every night, you know, especially on a Friday night, Saturday night, there's always that that new guy coming down the river, and then you hear him crash into a sweeper or or catch a catch a low hanging log on the way by, oh, and man. hear a few nice words, and you know, it's just. And some days you're just like you're out there, you're just shaking your head, you know. And there's all us regulars, and we'll we'll hear somebody talking. Hey, is that you, Joe? Hey. <laughs> That's, that's got to be awesome out of the river, right? Just sitting in the dark. <laughs> yeah. 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 You hear, you hear names and you hear voices and you hear stuff like that. And, uh, you know, um, it, it, it's just a, it's a real fun little, it's a, it's, it's a neat little thing because I, I've been around it f- for so many years now that I kind of become a regular and I've met a lot of nice people out on the river and, and in the fly shops and things like that. And I've learned a lot from them and, we pass each other text messages throughout the night where the fish are. If we're doing good, we're doing bad or, or whatever. So, um, it's, it's just an interesting fishery. And, and I, uh, I, I can't say enough. If you, if you go to, if you go to, uh, if you ever think about wanting to do it, there's, there's a couple of fly shops. There's a handful of fly shops in Michigan that, that have some of the best guides I've ever seen that are just awesome with, with doing that. So. And it's mainly brown trout. Yep. Browns and some rainbows. Um, the majority of it's browns and there's some brook trout in there. You get, um, you get some other hatches before dark that, um, do, do pop up before, uh, before the, the main event there after dark. And then some nights that they don't even come off. So, you know, those are the nice nights. You're off the water by 10, 30, 11 o'clock, <laughs> you know, and then, and then the nights where it's really going good, you, you're watching the sun come up. And by the time you get back to the cabin, it's daylight out. And you're like, I'm going to, this, I, this is like working third shift. I can't handle this. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I did too much of that third shift on the railroad my whole life. I don't, I don't like it, <laughs> you know, no, for sure. So. I wouldn't, uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Cause I, like I said, some of these, some of these days were out there. It's just absolutely mind blowing. That's incredible. Um, Joshua, I think we're going to have to figure out a time to make it up there. I mean, it's just a cool thing. That. Like we don't even night fish here and yeah, uh, it's just interesting to hear how, how you would, I, I think you don't have to do it to really, truly, I can't Experience it, really yeah. comprehend it, but it, it sounds like, I mean, some of the videos you've seen, those bugs just hitting people in the face. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you'd need like mosquitoes. Or you, or you eat them, and I, I always ask people, like, oh, I got one in my mouth. I'm like, what do they taste like? <laughs> and one of my buddies is like, hey, it's kind of got a nutty taste. It's not all that bad. I'm like, well, keep eating them because I'm not going <laughs> to. That's great. That's great. Yeah. You know, well, that's super so, cool. So, uh, yeah, it's a new fishery. It really is. It's, it's you know, and, it, and it's not just one river. It's There's, there's a lot, and, and there's guys that smallmouth fish. That's pretty cool. Uh, the hex hatch. Um, we get a later uh, version of a hex hatch down here by us, and you can uh, you get some really big smallmouth on them. And then we get the uh, we get other main big fly hatches. We get brown drakes, gray drakes, um, Isonikias. We get Hendrickson's. We get um, Caddis. Um, 
we get the Afrons, the white flies. Yeah. Um, there's, there's just so many things. And, you know, in Michigan in general, you can't fish for everything. There's, unless, I mean, unless you're retired and you're a millionaire. Yeah, that makes sense. You can't do it. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, Herb, uh, one of the other things we want you to take a minute to speak to, um, I know one of the things uh, you see it on your website at, at aflyco.com and you can see some other things. You're big on uh, getting the next generation into fly fishing as well and even into fly mm-hmm. tying. I know one of the things you guys have set up recently is kind of your junior ambassadors. Um, you're trying to get, you know, young kids into, into tying flies. Why? Why? First of all, explain a little bit about that program, maybe. And then two, um, explain a bit, a little bit about why that's important to you. I've, you know, I, I've always believed in helping the next generation. I, uh, I'd spent a lot of time with my, my two nephews, uh, you know, they, they were fortunate enough to live in the, in the neighborhood. And, and I had those guys out. We had to have, um, I was, a, I was for a little while there, I was a buyer for a major, uh, sporting goods fishing company. Um, I did that part-time while I was working at the railroad and, uh, I got to be friends with people at Hodgman waiters back in the day. And, uh, we, uh, got waiters, custom waiters made for my two nephews. And they basically took the smallest, the, the youngest kid, the smallest pair of waiters they could find. And they took the um the the uh shoulder straps that they had on the waders and they shortened them up by six inches in the back brace they put around the front so he could actually fit into them <laughs> modified them a little bit so he was seven years old and i would literally grab him by that by that strap and carry him across the river and basically he would just plank out when we were walking across <laughs> that's the- great we were walking across the river and he'd plank right out, you know, and he'd get up on shore. And I mean, these kids were machines. I mean, they, they were exposed to this stuff from a young age. And, you know, I said, you know what? I, I, I've never had my own kids. So I, I raised those boys to be good outdoorsmen and, and good fishermen. And I look at them and they're in their twenties now, late ones in his late twenties. He's almost 30. And the other one's 23, I think 24. And they're just, absolute great fishermen, great outdoorsmen. They have a respect for the outdoors. So I think I, I, I see a lot of that in young kids and I like to, I like to foster that, you know, the appreciation and the respect for the outdoors. And that's kind of why we, we chose to help the, the, the junior fly tires of the world out a little bit, you know, and uh, we're always looking for more. If there's a kid that, that somebody knows by God, you just, just email us and say, Hey, we know this kid. He's a, he's a, he's a really good fly tire. He's a really good kid. He just needs a little bit of direction and you know what? We'll help him out. Yeah, man. That's super cool. So is that what that, uh, is that what the kind of junior ambassadors does? Like you guys just help and support with tools and mm-hmm. helping, like yeah. connected with other tires. Yep. Yep. But just, we just try to give them a little bit of a, a, a of a, a, a presence, you know, where it's mostly guys that tie, you know, you're, you're, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about? The guys that have 10,000 plus followers and, yeah. and they tie these super complicated flies. Well, you know, not everybody does that. Exactly. And you know, we're all, we all got to start somewhere. I mean, I started my, my first flies that I tied were for steelhead and they were called a spring wiggler. And they were designed by a guy that owns spring sporting goods shop in, in uh, Muskegon, Michigan. And it wasn't a tough fly, but that's what I learned how to do. And I mean, it's a, an effective fly and we forget where we come from sometimes with these yeah. old proven patterns and, and kids love to do, you know, that kind of stuff that, you know, you can, you can put it in front of them and say, here's, I used this when I was your age and that, that just inspires them. Yeah. No, I think that's super cool. I love the idea of the junior ambassadors and trying to, you know, just kind of, like you said, getting them to connect with the right people, getting connected in the, the fly tying community. Um, it's mm-hmm. a pretty great community, uh, you know, to where they can get connected with something, you know, to help keep them connected to the outdoors, I think is really special as well. Right. And it gives them a little bit of a presence on social media where, you know, it helps them to, to, to kind of get a foothold in the, in the game and, and gives them, you know, um, encouragement to continue yeah. to grow in their, in their, in their uh, their fly fishing journey, 
that's that's super cool. So if some if we've got somebody listening and they got a kid that's like big into it, they could reach out if they they're interested in yep. something like that. Yep, absolutely. They can they can hit us up on our Instagram, send us a message. Um, I actually have my phone number on Instagram. Um, I am not opposed to text messages. I I usually don't answer the phone during the day, but you can text me. You can email me at herb at aflyco.com and and my phone numbers, you know, on the website and you could Google us. You can find us on Google, um, you know, and and so we're very accessible and we're willing to talk and, you know, even, even the adults out there and the, and the, the guys have been tying flies their whole lives, man. If there's something you want done differently, or if you think it needs to be done differently, or if even if you have a, a, a product that you don't think, lived up to your expectations. I want to know about it for sure. I don't, I don't want you to go away salty saying, well, yeah, I had this, but it didn't live up to the hype. It was supposed to, you know, you know, I want to, I want to know about it. If it's not right in your, to your standards or you think something could be better, you know, pick up the phone, drop us a note, you know, hit us, DM us, whatever you need to do. We'd love to hear from you because the only way to grow is with, with continual, you know, uh, input and, you know, I'm never going to sit back and say, I got the best thing going and, and we're going to, we're just going to stay right where we're at. Yeah. You're going to keep improving. Well, Herb, we want to let everybody know, uh, before we, before we close it, wrap this up, uh, it's a um, where you can find, uh, your scissors and your other fly tying tools, um, all the stuff that you're coming out. It seems like there's something new all the time. Uh, I will tell people if I, if I was going to start and I tell people this all the time, if I was going to get something from you guys first, it would definitely be a pair of scissors. Um, get the kind you like, the kind you feel comfortable with, uh, folks they're they're on the website there and you can find, uh, herb on Instagram. And I want to make sure I don't say this wrong. It's just Anadromous fly company. Isn't it? Is, is that what it is? Yeah. Anadromous fly company. Yeah, Anadromous Fly Company. I I could never say it right at the beginning, and for whatever reason, I don't know why those two picked that name, but um, it just, you couldn't pick a harder name to say. It's it's been a harder one to spell, too. I have spelled it wrong a couple of times. but uh, I I did, too. I used to have to write it out and have it in front of me because I could never get it right either. But when the website went to A Flacco, it was a lot easier uh, for me to send people there. Uh, yeah, and that was that was uh, uh, one of those watershed moments. We're like, <laughs> it's a long time ago. Yeah. Well, Herb, I really appreciate you, man, for what you've done for the podcast. Uh, for me and Caleb, just uh, you know, we love using your tools. We love sending people your way. Thank you for uh, all you've done to kind of be a part of Dads on the Fly, and yeah. uh, you know, such a great product you got. Hopefully, one day, you know, we'll get up there and fish somewhere in Michigan, maybe the hex hatch, but. Uh, Anything else you got for us before we uh, call this one a night? No, I think that's pretty much it. We pretty much went around the world there. Yeah, Herb, man. This has been great. We really appreciate you uh, sharing the story of AFLACO, sharing a little bit of your story, um, talking about getting, uh, you know, really encouraging the younger generation to get into fly fishing and fly tying. I think it's super Mm -hmm. important. And um, so, Herb, thank you. Thanks for your time with us tonight. And thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Dazzle and Fly. And until next time, tight lines. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast. We hope this episode has inspired you as a parent or an angler. If you've enjoyed this episode, please check us out at dadsonthefly.com. There you can subscribe to our email list and find out all the things we got going on here at Dads on the Fly.